We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in to Burns Hot Stove. Bobby has 30 steals in his rookie season. Every Thursday night starting at 6, taking you all the way up to opening day at the K. Home run, MJ Melendez. Live from Surprise, Arizona, here's Royals insider Josh Bernier. Look at us, ladies and gentlemen. We get a produced open, and we are ready to go for 2023. Good evening and welcome inside Surprise Stadium in Surprise, Arizona, site of Royal Spring Training. Once again, right here on 610 Sports Radio, games get started tomorrow afternoon, 2.05, right here on your home for Royals baseball. I'm pretty sure we're pushing 15 years as your home for Royals baseball. I'm pleased to uh, step into year 11 in this role as your Royals insider. Uh, we got a lot to get to tonight. Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo will join us coming up in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss, and I want to dive right into it as we normally do to start off this show. Let's dive right in with the, well, in my mind, what I feel are the top five storylines thus far, one week in, one plus week into Royal Spring Training. I arrived out here the Monday after the Chiefs uh reached the summit of football as Super Bowl champion. So been down here a little bit longer than a week. Understand the page just starting being turned to Royals baseball. So let me get you caught up on what matters, at least as of right now, out here in Surprise. Now you know what number one's going to be. Number one is what it has been for about two and a half years, and that's the pitching. We'll get to the pitching. I want to start at number five. The five biggest storylines thus far of Royal Spring Training, number five to me is MJ Melendez. MJ Melendez, a guy that's, uh, well, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, he's hitting in the top three of this lineup. I don't know if you have him as your leadoff hitter, your number two hitter, maybe, maybe, maybe even you bump him down to a four or five. Nonetheless, uh, next to Salvador Perez and Bobby Witt Jr., I don't think there's a more important bat than MJ Melendez. And the reason why he's my storyline number five is because I have this question, and we'll present each and every one of these storylines to J.J. Piccolo coming up in a matter of moments. But the question with MJ Melendez is, how much longer can he juggle these three things? Number one, well, what I just mentioned, him being right in the center of... Really, the wins and the losses, the, the, the offensive output for the 2023 Royals, right? It's MJ, it's Vinny, it's Salvi, it's Bobby. Sure, there are others that need to contribute, but if those four don't meet or exceed expectations, it's going to be a long summer in Kansas City. So in my mind, the number one most important thing on the plate of MJ Melendez is that big serving of offense, the possibilities of 20 to 30 home runs. You saw the eye, the on-base percentage. Even when the young man was slumping last season, he was still drawing his walks. Haven't had many like him come through Kansas City, at least not in the past decade and a half. How much longer can he juggle 
being one of the most important bats on this team. Meanwhile, learning a new position, corner outfield. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, left field, right field, corner outfield, chalk. Uh, they're, they're, they're quite different, right? The fade of the baseball, the way, you, the way you read a ball off the bat, quite different left field compared to right field. MJ Melendez starting off in spring training will be working in right field because that's where he's going to be playing for Team uh, Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. But as you and I remember last season, MJ Melendez got a lot of time in left field. As a matter of fact, I would expect MJ Melendez to be this team's everyday left fielder. So he's juggling being one of the key components of this offense for 2023. He's juggling learning the corner outfield, left field and right field at the big league level, not to mention playing the most demanding position on the diamond that's behind the dish, serving as a catcher where it's not just, hey, go back there and receive. No, you got to defend. You need to build a relationship with your pitcher. You need to know what buttons to hit to get the best out of them. And I understand why the Royals aren't willing to say goodbye to MJ Melendez as a backstop. Right? I understand Salvador Perez has gone down uh, in 2022. Now, he played 161 in 2021, but well, let's also remember, he couldn't see out of one eye for a stretch. A knee was barking for a stretch, but he just persevered. Salvi likely is, is going to get banged up at some point this season, knowing that he's going to try and answer the bell every single day. So you might need a a productive bat, and a look serving behind the dish with that type of bat can take MJ Melendez to the next level, but I need him at the next level in 2023. How much longer can he juggle these three things? I asked the manager, I asked Matt Cotrero that question uh, multiple times so far in camp, and he says, hey, there's no reason why this can't continue for years, and they have done a nice job of uh, not or doing their best to not overwhelm him. Certain days are just catching days for MJ. Some days are just defensive days in the outfield for the uh, 24-year-old. So while you know, the manager believes it could continue for quite a while, uh, I am reminded at, at, at how often I heard gripes from uh, many of you and Many people around Major League Baseball, how can you move a, 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 a talent like Bobby Witt Jr. off his natural position like the Royals did last year, moving him from shortstop to third base? Well, you want to give him a spot and leave him at that spot. I'd like to see the Royals do the same with MJ Melendez. I was having a conversation with Mike Sweeney about that, and he said, hey, uh, MJ understands where his bread is buttered. He knows that it is hitting first and foremost, and honestly, you know, uh, Talking to the Hall of Famer, the great Mike Sweeney, he, he acknowledged, hey, man, if it's up to me, MJ's in left field five days and DH in the other two. And you just say goodbye to catching. Your bat is what's going to keep you in this game for 10, 15 years. With all due respect to the young man, I, I don't think it's behind the dish. I think it's going to be that exceptional, prodigious power that pounds off of his bat in that left-handed batter's box. So to me, MJ Melendez is storyline number five. Number four is the leadership. If you listen to the post-game show at the end of last season, you knew what my hope was when I arrived to spring training. My hope was that I would walk into that clubhouse, and obviously we all 
genuflect to the great number 13. We all have the proper reverence for Salvador Perez, and we acknowledge this will always be his team so long as he's in that clubhouse. But outside of Salvi, I need, I want, I gotta have one, two, three of these young voices to say, all right, I'm here, and I want to win. And if you're not falling in line, if you're not giving the effort, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you got problems with me. Haven't seen it yet, but the games haven't started yet. We're only a week in. I'm certainly not going to reach for any sort of a panic button. Brought that up to the manager as well. Well, what do you think of the leadership on this team? He says, you know, I haven't really noticed anyone seeking leadership. We got a lot of self-starters, a lot of... um, Young men that have been driven at a very young age, and this is just the latest step. They have bigger goals than just succeeding in 2023. And I think we see that with Bobby Witt Jr. You see that when you talk with Vinny Pasquantino. It's not like these guys are wide-eyed looking for someone to hold their hand. They know what they want out of their big league career. And yet, when we're going through that march of 162 games, I still want that voice, that standard inside that clubhouse to be laid. Now, Salvi, uh, Dozier, Dozier's a lead-by-example guy, not, not, not necessarily very vocal. Uh, you know, Nicky Lopez is very vocal. My question is, is he going to play enough to uh, command that dugout, that diamond, that clubhouse? It can be done, but you need, you know, Gerard Dyson wasn't always out there on the diamond, and yet his voice carried in that dugout, carried in that clubhouse. Again, Salvador Perez, I, I, I feel like I do this way too often, uh, throw bouquets the way of the great number 13, but if you've been out here in spring training, uh, the energy that he brings on a daily basis to everything is unmatched. Uh, look, Freddie for me, another young catcher, he, he's, he has tremendous energy as well, but he doesn't have seven all-star games and five gold gloves. He doesn't have the respect to where if he wants to mail in and just go through the motions and you know what, just keep his mouth shut because he's going through a lot, he can do it. Selby never does it. You watch him in a bullpen with Ryan Yarbrough, his first bullpen with this new lefty coming out of the Royals bullpen, and you would think they've been best friends for years the way that Selby's encouraging him. You you watch Selby work on his craft in the cage with hitting coach Alex Zumwalt. You watch him work with bench coach Paul Hoover on his defense. You would think that Salvi is the Freddie Fermin trying to break into the game, trying to make a name for himself in the show. Zach Greinke, of course, has a presence about him. As Matt Cotrero said earlier in the week, whenever Greinke is pitching or talking about pitching, he is certainly going to gather a crowd. Amir Garrett is a... Uh, under-the-radar leader, the way that a Jose Quas and MJ Melendez, a Dylan Coleman, the way that they flock to, to play cards, have fun, goof around, uh, enjoy the presence of Amir Garrett, I think has gone somewhat unnoticed, underreported, talking with Amir Garrett about it. He says, hey, a lot of guys, when they first get into the game, uh, whether it's hazing, it's this, it's big league baseball is not always a lot of fun for rookies. And I want to make sure that Quas, that Coleman, that Melendez don't have to deal with the same garbage that I had to deal with when I came into the big leagues. So the leadership to me is storyline number four. Brady Singer, Vinny Pasquantino, those are two names that I'm looking for. Singer's a leader with his competitive edge, his ability out there on the diamond, his follow my lead 
attitude out there where I'm going to handle my business, and if you want to keep up with me, you better follow what I'm doing. Um, I'd like to see that continue to grow. Same with Vinny Pasquantino. Now I understand Vinny needs to put it together, uh, you know, a few solid months maybe before he fully finds that voice. Need him to find that voice this season. To me, the third biggest story thus far in Royal Spring training a week and a half in is Drew Waters. Royal center fielder out at least six weeks with a left oblique strain, which begs the question, who's left in the outfield? Kyle Isbell right now is going to garner a majority of the at-bats and reps out there in center field. Uh, Kyle Isbell, an off-season very similar, or at least an off-season focus very similar to what we saw from Michael Massey, and he had described that on with Cody and Gold earlier today and even throughout the off-season, keeping that bat in the zone. Um, saw a lot of hard contact, but uh, poor hard contact from Kyle Isbell, from Michael Massey. Uh, uh, I know Annie Rogers of MLB.com working on a great piece. Uh, you know, Isbell, Massey, both both left-handed hitters, but right-handed throwers. Learning this offseason, they're right-handed dominant. Uh, that's why they're getting through the zone too quick and pulling everything to the right side. So excited about what Isbell can do offensively. We know about his ability defensively. Um, so sure, sure. He's the front runner. Edward Olivares, who hit a laser beam off of Josh Stalmont yesterday. Nate Eaton, I think of all of the uh, Royals inside that clubhouse, uh, Drew Waters' injury, uh, respectfully, positively in- impacts Nate Eaton most. I think he has most to gain. I think he has a chance to make the opening day roster because of the Drew Waters injury. Other outfielders that are here at spring training that you'll hear and see if you're coming out to uh, surprise Diego Hernandez, Samad Taylor. I don't think they really factor into the conversation, at least not to start the season. Uh, but something worth pondering, Hunter Dozier, who uh, you know we, we, we assume is going to be the third baseman on opening day. We assume is going to be the everyday third baseman. We've done a lot of assuming with Hunter Dozier over the years. And you know Dozier can play those corner outfield spots how about a nick prado a franmil reyes how about an end of camp opt-out from elsewhere around major league baseball if this drew waters injury does carry deep into the season uh, dozier prado or someone that is going to get bumped out of another camp i think is going to be the answer along with a kyle isbell So Drew Waters, to me, storyline number three, the leadership number four, MJ Melendez number five, the top two storylines, you've heard them all week, whether it's on Fesco in the morning, Cody and Gold, the drive, everyone's talking about the pitching and the coaching. Coaching, to me, is the second biggest storyline of the first week and a half, led by the new skipper, Matt Cotrero. Uh, Two things that really, well, plenty of things stand out to me. Um, But in, I've, I've get a chance to talk with him multiple times uh, every day. And he gets, uh, you know, let's say a few dozen questions every single day. New reporter showing up here every single day. So the questions start to be repetitive. And yet, uh, you, can, you can watch Q uh, absorb the questions, digest the questions, and give you a thoughtful answer in response. Uh, That is appreciated. Uh, But what I like most is he doesn't let little things slide. If he disagrees with something that 
uh, you implied he's going to correct it before going on and answering your question. Uh, a couple of um, examples. One, I mentioned to him just how taken aback I was at this camp's the way that the coaching staff, front office, and ownership has empowered its players. So, you know, I, I think I used, yeah, player empowerment was the term that I used. And he kind of stopped me there saying, uh, I understand I understand player empowerment, but um, you know, that does have a connotation of, hey, it's on the players, not us. That we're putting it all on them and backing away. And he said, it, 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 we're in this together. Yeah, players are empowered but we're hand-in-hand hand with them. Now, it's not we're hanging them out to dry. So, so I like that little correction because when you, when you have those, hey, hold up kind of moments, hey, let me correct you there type of moments, to me that reflects your belief system because you heard something that you disagreed with and that can't slide at my camp. Player empowerment and the use of the term buy-in. In a conversation with Annie Rogers of MLB.com, she or I, someone used the term buy-in. It was a term we heard a lot in previous seasons under uh, Mike Matheny, needing players buy-in to what we're doing here. And that term was used for Q. And and he said, you know, I I don't really like the term buy-in because we're not selling something. It's not something that we need them to buy into. We're not selling anything. All we're trying to do is make them the best version of themselves. Or as Q said to Fesco in the morning earlier this week, uh, we're just trying to take some of the pressure off, let some of the air out, some of the tension out of their shoulders, allow them to enjoy this game a little bit more. So it's not that we need them to buy into anything. We just want to understand them and get the most out of them. I mean, I can go on with this coaching staff from the bench coach, Paul Hoover. Guys, I'm telling you, you the amount of time that he's spending with Salvador Perez, you would think that he's t- teaching Salvi a new position. It's amazing, though. Everywhere Salvi goes, all of a sudden you'll hear Paul Hoover over there. Way to go, Salvi. I can't wait to see what type of defensive output we see from number 13 this season. Jose Alguacil, the new infield coach, whose main job is to make Bobby Witt Jr. a much better shortstop. Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, the pitching coach, an assistant pitching coach, respectively. Uh, yeah, coaching, no doubt, the second biggest storyline, but a coach can only do so much with what he has. You know, There's no way to unlock everyone. I know some of you out there wanted to blame every pitcher's struggles in 2020, 21, 22. You wanted to blame it all on Cal Eldred. And I'm sure you can put an arm here or an arm there on the former pitching coach, but if anybody out there is silly enough to think that Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove are going to come in here and fix this guy, that guy, that, those two, him, and the, that's not going to happen. A coach can only do so much with what he has, which leads us to the biggest storyline that, of course, is the pitching. And to me, uh, for as concerning as the pitching may be, it's my opinion there's only one spot up for grabs. You got Singer, Granky, Lyles, and Lynch as locks, in my opinion, in this rotation. I think seven of the eight spots in the Bullpen are taken up. Barlow, Chapman, Yarbrough, Dylan Coleman, Amir Garrett, Josh Stalmont, Taylor Clark. I call them locks. I think that final spot in the rotation comes down to Brad Keller, Jonathan Heasley, Chris Bubich. I think the final spot in the bullpen right now comes down to Carlos Hernandez or Jackson Kowar, maybe a 
uh, Nick Whitgren, Josh Taylor, Colin Snyder, Ryan Weiss. We got some depth. We'll see how quality that depth is because you know it's going to be tested. So for me, the first week and a half of spring training, it comes down to the pitching, the coaching, the injury to Drew Waters, the search for leadership, and the hope for MJ Melendez in 2023. We'll throw all five of those things at Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo when he joins us next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Vern's Hot Stove. Live from Royals Spring Training. Thursday nights at 6 on your home for Royals Baseball. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, Vern's Hot Stove, live from Surprise Stadium in Surprise, Arizona, site of Royal Spring Training 2023. Well, I gave you my five top storylines through the first week and a half of Royal Spring Training, and nobody better to uh, get you ready for the Cactus League action starting tomorrow at 2.05 right here on 610 Sports Radio. And to recap the first week and a half, then the man calling the shots, the architect, Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo. J.J., greatly appreciate the time this evening. Thank you so much. No problem, Vern. Glad to be on. Well, let's start with what I think we all agree is the biggest storyline of this camp and most camps around the country, and that is uh, the pitching. I, I, I was just laying out uh, you know, my beliefs of the bullpen and the rotation, and, and J.J., correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't seem as if there are a lot of spots up for grabs for, for a team that, that some say is, is uh, you know, going through a, a developmental season. Seems like this rotation bullpen, you got some names that are pretty entrenched into their spots. Yeah, no, I, I think we're pretty deep. You know, coming into spring training, we've got 24 pitchers on our roster. We've got a couple interesting non-roster invites. But, you know, what I think we've created is just a healthy competition amongst the starters, amongst the relievers. And even with some of the guys that you know are going to be in a rotation or in the bullpen, there's still some interesting competition. Who's the four starter? Who's the five starter? Uh, who can be a swing man or long man? And then how's our you know, bullpen round out you know, around Scott Barlow, Chapman, you know, Clark, you know, those types of guys who I think are pretty much entrenched in the, in the bullpen. But it's, it's a healthy competition, and that's the way it should be, and that's what we were – you know, hoping to attain as we went through the offseason. I think we're in a good spot as we stand right now. Yeah, and you look at uh, the amount of uh, young arms in that clubhouse that have made starts for you in the past. Uh, some of them have to be looking around playing the numbers game right now saying uh, a couple of us are going to get left out. Yeah, I mean, that that clearly could be the case. And that, again, that just speaks to the competition and um you know, we're at a point guys have had opportunities to pitch in the major leagues and, you know, they all have the ability to do so or they would not have been there. Um, but, you know, as you're getting better as a team and you're building towards something, performance becomes a key factor in who's in and who's out. And guys need to perform well and, and perform consistently. And I think that's more of the focus. And we know that 
the abilities there, but to, to bring it out, you know, as many starts as possible is where a young pitcher needs to take that next step. And we have several of them. And now they're, we just have to figure out who, who is it that's ready to take that next step forward. J.J. Piccolo, Royals general manager with us on 610 Sports Radio. Of, of all those young pitchers, uh, no one has had the success like Brady Singer as of yet. And uh, uh, Speaking of Brady, I thought he handled at least his response to Andy Rogers of MLB.com in the wake of arbitration. I thought he was very diplomatic, um, you know, was was. You know, courteous to the team, didn't say anything that would cause any fraction or you know send fans off the deep end. I'm interested in in your opinion of uh, the balance of arbitration, which was collectively bargained. The players know what it is, uh, the team knows what it is, but also this is a guy that you would like to be at the at the central as one of the central figures of this turnaround in Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think the arbitration process is something that if he spoke to both the you know, the clubs and the players, nobody really enjoys that process. Uh, and you do everything you can to try to not go to a hearing. Um, but we also, on both sides, understand that that's part of the game and it's going to happen. You know, you like to think that the, the relationships you've built along the way, um, you know, are going to help you get through situations, whether the club wins or the player wins. Um, and and that's, that's the case here. I mean, Brady understands, you know, what, you know, what arbitration is all about. You know, I understand completely, you know, he felt like he should have won the case. And, you know, just it's it's something that's part of our game. I wish there was a, a better solution to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, pitchers, players, whoever it is, they just need, need to go out, put it behind them and go out and play. And what I like the most out of what I've seen with Brady since the hearing is it's behind him already. You know, he's going about his business just like he did. Uh, prior to going to a hearing, and he's going to have a great season. And I'm really happy for him, and I'm glad that that's just behind us now and a little bit different last year when we were going through hearings during the season. So at least now we can do it early in spring training and move on. If you're not talking about the pitching out here in Surprise, we're talking about uh, all the new faces on the coaching staff. Uh, A a lot of the same faces that they're working with, so it it does beg the question, and and, in just your opinion, uh, how much of a difference can coaching make? It's a broad question, but uh, fans are about to watch the same, uh, some of the same young names they've been watching for years. What kind of difference do you think this coaching staff can make? Yeah, well, I, you know, we we clearly you know made a decision at the end of the season that we needed some different voices in our in our coaching room, and I have a lot of respect for all the work that was done uh, by our previous staff, and they they deserve a lot of credit for getting our guys here to the major leagues and taking these first steps. Um, but you know, with that said, um, you know, coaching is important. You know, I, I think there is a, an onus on the player to sort of meet coaches halfway. Uh, you need to build relationships. You need to communicate well. You need to listen well. And I think what you see out of some of the better coaches, you know, in any sport, they're good listeners. And, you know, what what we have in our sport that I think is, you know, I don't know enough about the other sports, but what I know we have in our sport is there is a lot of information that's out there and players are coaching themselves along the way. They're going to different facilities in the off season. Uh, and you have to be open-minded to that. Um, guys are 24, 25, 26 years old, you know, and I, you see it all over Twitter. All-star players are going to hitting facilities and revamping their swing and trying to get better. And that's just the nature of our sport. 
Um, it's a team sport that's kind of wrapped around individual competition. So hitters want to have the best swings. The pitchers want to have the best stuff. And, you know, one of the ways to get there is just to be open-minded. And, you know, that's something we've learned along the way that we've got to be open-minded to what, you know, a, an individual may want to accomplish and, and go with it. And I think what I'm seeing out of this staff so far is they are very open-minded. Uh, they like communicating with our players. There's really good dialogue back and forth. And I like to think that players are going to benefit. But I also, you know, also know that just because they're a year older, they are going to get better, regardless of who's coaching them. But hopefully the, the mix of any of the new faces we have help them get to where they want to go as individuals. One of the things that stood out to me just observing this, this coaching staff uh, is 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 you know the the whole spectrum really seems to be covered from you know a guy that I watched growing up and collected his baseball cards in a Paul Gibson to the you know some of the new coaches that are you know ten years younger than me it, it really it really seems as if whatever you're interested in tapping into young to old the resources are available. No, no doubt, and I think that's the role of our front office is really just to provide for our players, for our coaches, so they can excel. So what we need to do as a front office is listen to our players, understand where they want to be, uh, but also we need to hire people who are open-minded, uh, who want to continue to grow as professionals, who understand where players are in today's game. Uh, Paul Gibson's a great example. We hired somebody named Paul Menhart this year. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Zach Bove's 34 years old and, you know, 20 year gap between he and some of the other coaches. But, you know, I reminded some of our staff last week, you know, I was asking them, hey, when did you get a chance? And a lot of us came into the scouting and scouting lens. When did you get a chance to, to start scouting? Well, most of us started in our mid 20s. And so we have to remember that, you know, and I like to think that. You know, myself and all the others that have been in our front office for a number of years, you know, added value to that organization. And we have to be cognizant of that. So if we're going to continue to grow as leaders and directors and whatever your position may be, you need to surround yourself with some young, uh, young, talented people that have skills that maybe uh, weren't as necessary years ago in the game, but are necessary in today's game. And if we have a good blend of that with coaches who are open-minded and people who look at the game a little differently, we'll be able to, to really help our players quite a bit, and that's what it's all about. J.J. Piccolo, Royals general manager, joining us for just a few more minutes here on 610 Sports Radio. Some of the other headlines as, as, as I saw them. Uh, M.J. Melendez, uh, the question that I know I've posed to you before, but I'll, I'll do it again right now. Uh, how long, in your opinion, can MJ Melendez juggle uh, being a top of the lineup hitter, uh, corner outfielder, and everything that goes into being a catcher? Yeah, it, it really is a difficult mix. And we, we talk about this on a daily basis. How can we have MJ excel as an outfielder and excel and continue to develop as a catcher? And it is, a, it is a tough one because the, the catching is so demanding, uh, not only physically but all, also mentally because there's so much preparation you have to do with starting pitchers to get ready for a game. So it is very challenging. But what I would say about MJ, he believes in himself as a catcher. He's young. He's got energy. He wants to be an impact player in the major leagues. So the mentality and the way he goes about his work 
the, it, he does it the right way. So now it's up to us to manage his workload, understand what's most important for him in any given stretch of time. Uh, but we do need to have him prepared, you know, to catch. I mean, the the catching position is so fragile. Uh, anything can happen in any moment, and there could be a month in here that MJ's got to catch 20 games, and we have to have him ready to catch those 20 games. So can't hide behind the fact that it's a difficult thing to do. I believe he and only other one other, one other guy in, in the major leagues right now are you know, a catcher and an outfielder, um, but there's a way to do it. And with guys like Damon Hollins and Paul Hoover is working with the catchers, they're going to work together and managing his workload and make decisions along the way on how he should go about his work. And then also with a young player like MJ, they tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves to produce offensively because they know that's how they stay in the major leagues. So you, you add all those things up and it can be really challenging, but MJ's a strong-minded kid. He's got a lot of confidence in, in who he is and what he can do, and he's going to handle it just fine. Yeah, JJ Piccolo, a few more minutes. Uh, two final headlines: uh, leadership. Um, you know, at the end of last season, you know, and I'm still hoping as, as games get started that those young voices inside that clubhouse, I understand it's a tough game and they want to, uh, you know, find their, their, their ground at the big league level before they start bloviating in the clubhouse. But are you expecting the young voices to become louder over the course of this season? Do you hope that that happens? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that'll happen. And I hope, you know, by louder, that means better and stronger, Um, you know, but, you know, we watched this, you know, really 10 years ago, we watched guys evolve into leaders, but they became leaders once they knew they belonged in the major leagues and were confident that they were staying in the major leagues. And now their, their natural personalities come out and they all tend to lead in different ways. You got some guys a little more vocal. Some guys are just, you know, head down, hard nosed workers, you know, you can define that in so many different ways. But with the experience and the confidence that they are major league players, that leadership will come out. And I don't know who, who it's going to be, but hopefully it's a combination of guys that just come together collectively, looking out for the greater good of the team. You know, all great leaders put their teammates ahead of themselves in whatever business it is. And when we have a group of guys that are doing that, we'll achieve. Whatever our ceiling is, we'll get there. Uh, but it needs to happen, you know, a little more organically. You can't force leadership, but I think when confidence grows, leadership grows. In your experience, when a clubhouse sets a standard of how we play, uh, the effort, the focus, uh, does that have to start with the players? It, it certainly is more natural because the, the coaches, you know, and, and we're in a sport where you can give all the uh, motivational speeches that you want to give, but when you're playing 162 games and you're, you know, 28 nights out of 30, you're playing, you know, it, it kind of falls on deaf ears. So there's only so much uh, a coaching staff can really say to motivate guys. Uh, so it's much better for the organization when the players are doing it and they take the lead. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what you want. And it's really just a, it's almost a rhythm and a pace and an attitude and, and just becomes your identity of who you are and, and then good things happen. So, you know, that's what we're expecting to happen this year. You know, I like the way that uh, our coaches are going about their business, but ultimately it's the atmosphere and the environment that they create that's going to allow guys to enjoy to come to work every day and, and excel.
Yeah, well, the the, the work ethic of, uh, you know, uh, if not all, a large majority of the guys you got in that clubhouse is is the perfect foundation for the standard that I know all Royals fans hope to see moving forward. JJ, final one for you. Uh, the final headline I thought of the first week and a half, of course, uh, the uh, the one unfortunate piece of news, Drew Waters, uh, out at least six weeks with that left oblique. Uh, how would you describe the concern level, and what does it mean for the competition moving forward? Well, the, the concern level is not high. The concern is more about making sure Drew doesn't try to move too fast because that, that can be an injury that lingers. I mean, there's several players over the last few years around baseball that they, they hurt their oblique once and then they come back too soon and they get it again and now they're out longer. So we just want to put this one behind us. Uh, time frames are always tough because guys can't heal in, you know, in, in different paces. Um, but so the concern is not long term at all. It's more about making sure Drew moves at the right pace. Um, but, you know, from an outfield perspective, you know, right now, you know, Kyle Isbell and Nate Eaton are the two guys who can play center field. Uh, so we may have to keep an eye out there for somebody that may be available that, that can help us for a period of time. Uh, we certainly believe Drew is a big part of our future, and we just want him to, to get as many at-bats as he can and be healthy as long as he can. But at the same time, we got to start the season, you know, minus an outfielder, and we got to be cognizant of that and just, uh, you know, look, you know, continue to look to try to add depth uh, so we can cover games for a period of time this year. Any need to pull Hunter Dozier aside? Because I, I, I have to imagine that whenever something happens around him, he's he's got to be wondering, hey, am I about to move again? Well, it's it's funny you're bringing that up because that's that's the natural thing, right? Well, we can just move Doge back out to the outfield, right. which we can and we will have to do at some point this year. But Doge has been working hard at third base in the off season. He's working hard right now at third base. We do we would like for him to settle in and just you know not worry about multiple positions because Doge's contribution to this team. Uh, you know, will be offensively. So if we can settle that a little bit and not move them around, I think it would be beneficial. But as you go through a season and you you have different things, guys who do have that flexibility are very valuable. So he, you know, that might be a solution. We'll have to see how the rest of the uh, spring training goes. And if he's got to go to the outfield, no one goes. He's, he's a great teammate. He would do anything we need him to do for the team. But we're trying to let him get that working at third base and let's evaluate him at third and and go from there. And like you said, and, and your eye is much, much, much better than mine. Looking really good over there at third base thus far in spring training. J.J. Piccolo, Royals general manager, thank you so very much for your time tonight and uh, looking forward to getting some uh, action out there on the diamond tomorrow. J.J., thank you very much. No problem, Vern. Thank you. There you go. Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo, kind enough to uh, spend a good 20 minutes with us here on a, uh, a Thursday night. Very nice of him, uh, J.J. Piccolo. If you miss any of the interviews uh, today, not not the J.J. one, you just heard that, but earlier today, uh, Brad Keller was on with Fesco in the morning. Uh, yesterday, Matt Cotrero was on with Fesco in the morning. Two fantastic conversations. Uh, man, Keller not only looks better than ever, uh, but sounded better than ever in that conversation this morning. And then Cody and Gold, they've had Kyle Isbell, uh, Nikki Lopez, uh, Daniel Lynch jumped on with them. Michael Massey went on with them. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to join Fesco in the morning tomorrow at 8.30.
a.m. So plenty of Royals uh, discussion, plenty of Royals content that you can find right now on the Odyssey app or at 610sports.com. And by the way, uh, plenty more Royals content forthcoming throughout spring training. And uh, any time I'm involved, you're going to be able to find uh, that content on the Odyssey app. Just search All Things Vern. So post-game show, hot stove shows, uh, interviews, uh, podcasts, whatever it might be, if it has to do with me and the Royals, it'll be under All Things Vern on the Odyssey app and at 610sports.com. Take a quick final timeout, and when we come back, we unveil the theme, the 2023 Kansas City Royals theme that I'm going to bludgeon over your head all season long. Some of you enjoy it. Some of you are tired of it. Either way, it's coming your way after this. Vern's Hot Stove. If you miss any of the show, you can listen on demand with the Odyssey app or at 610sports.com on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Touchdown, Kansas City! 610 Sports Radio. Radio, thanks again to Royals GM, J.J. Piccolo. Uh, if you're listening, J.J., my mom loved that interview. So, Thanks for listening, Mom. All right, let's get to a 2023 spring training Cactus League action. Gets started at 2.05 Kansas City time tomorrow. Right here on 610 Sports Radio, Daniel Lynch and the Kansas City Royals squaring off with the Texas Rangers. I don't know who they're starting and who cares. Uh, Daniel Lynch is on the hill for the good guys. All right, uh, so I do this every year. It, it's my uh, theme of the season, something that you know, we talk about in spring. You, you carry it through all 162, and more times than not, it, it, it's it's worked out. You know, 2013, 2014, we had uh, the roller coaster saying there's going to be ups and downs, but stick with it. It's going to be fun in the end. It was. 2015 said it's going to be a fight every single day. I knew that team was out for blood. They wanted to beat everyone. But because the Royals just went to the World Series the year previous, no one was going to roll over. They were going to give the Royals the best shot. You were going to have to fight. And what do you know? The Royals literally and figuratively fought everyone in 2015. 2016, I called it the high wire. Because, again, everyone's certainly gunning for you, and it's not going to be as difficult to knock you off that high wire. Just one strong gust, one big injury could do just that, knocking you off of said high wire. And I know late in that season, wasn't it Kane and Wade Davis both went down, or else I think that 2016 team finds its way into the postseason. 2017, I deemed it the senior season, and maybe that was just a reflection of myself and my senior year in uh, high school. Where if you don't handle your business, if you don't handle your studies in the first semester, well, then you're not going to be able to reach your goals in the final semester. And you go back and you look at that 2017 season by not handling their business early, the Royals were unable to finish late. 2018 was the test because it tested all of us. After so much fun the previous four or five seasons, this was going to test the players, the fan base, the organization, and it certainly did. 2019 was the lost season just because I exited stage left for a year and waved goodbye to Royals baseball for a few months. 2020, I I called it the lifeboat because I thought that team needed some energy and those young pitchers were making their return. 
Uh, you had a new coaching staff. You're hoping that somebody's going to breathe life into this team. And I'll be honest with you, uh, Singer, Bubich making their debuts, that got me excited. That was a lifeboat because after 2019 and the farewell to Ned Yost, and it was kind of, you know, do wins and losses even matter? Are we even, are we just sending Grandpa Ned out in style or are we trying to win? They needed an injection of life, and that's what 2020 was. 2021, I said, that's got to be the step forward. Whether it's a coaching staff, it's a young pitcher, it's the young core of hitters of Mondi and Merrifield and Dozier, someone needs to take a step forward, and they didn't. We didn't have that step forward in 2021, which led us to 2022 in the River card. The final card flipped in Texas Hold'em. Once that card is flipped, there are no more uh, bending Uh, perceptions of fans or media the evidence is overwhelming and the next step is obvious and that's why we got a change in the coaching staff had a change in the front office and that that leads us to 2023 did a lot of himming and hawing about this but I think I think we're going with the campfire do you have the kindling and where is the spark huh a campfire is fun when you first show up to it. Who doesn't have a good time right now showing up to a campfire? Oh, it's going to be great, man. That looks really nice when it's about to start. But if the fire doesn't start, if you don't have the kindling, and if you don't get that spark, nothing else really matters. Nobody's going to gather. Those smiles will soon cease. Now, it can look nice. It can look like it's going to burn for days. But if there's no fire, it doesn't matter. You can bring in all the people, coaches, outdoorsmen, outdoors women. Bring in whoever you want. But there's no promises that they're going to be able to start the fire. Are we sure this team has enough kindling? Do they have the fire starter that they need? Now, maybe this coach or this outdoorsman can create the spark. It's unlikely, but maybe they can. Maybe they got some MacGyver in them. But more than likely you got to have that quality kindling, that good stuff, that stuff that you just light, just needs a spark, and then it'll take off and stoke the embers of those that surround them. And with the proper fire, ladies and gentlemen, it's my belief with the proper fire blazing at the end of the season, I would not be surprised in the least if John Sherman and J.J. Piccolo pour some gas on that bad boy and it is roaring in 2024. Do we have a spark? Who is it? Who's getting this thing started? 205 tomorrow, Cactus League action right here on your home for Royals Baseball 610 Sports Radio. I'll talk to you next Thursday at 6 o'clock on Vern's Hot Stove. Dusty Likens, the Dirty Werewolf, coming your way next. to Vern's Hot Stove. Live from Royals Spring Training. Thursday nights at 6 on your home for Royals Baseball. 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.